get those goosebumps every time you come around, yeah. You ease my mind, you make everything feel fine. Worry about those comments. I'm way too numb, yeah. It's way too dumb, yeah. I get those goosebumps every time. I need the high, throw that to the side. Does he say I hit that hymen? Anyway, welcome to a incredibly special episode of Disney Plusin' and Cussin'. I am your ghost host with the most, Mr. Deefy. Uh, Tim is on his way to work, um, but he already put the real work in. We have for you today a very special treat with no tricks. <laughs> please stop. Please don't stop listening just because I said that. Tim would edit that out, but I'm the one doing the editing today. We got the opportunity to sit down with none other than Tim Jacobus, the illustrator for Goosebumps, numbers 1 through 62 and beyond, except like number 2 and 12. There's a lot, but he talks a little bit about that. It was so fun and so exciting and easily the biggest get that we have ever had, but without a whole bunch of me blabbering on without somebody else to cut me off, here is... Tim Jacobus. Yo. Fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this with us. Yeah, sure. No problem. Man, I got to tell you, I've been I've been telling anyone who will talk to me, and it's not a lot of people in Lubbock, <laughs> Texas, that'll talk to a guy that looks like me about, about this. So we are super stoked. Uh, hope you don't mind the, I commissioned some of your art to make art. Yes, very nicely done. Thank nicely you. Done. Thank you. I, I I worked really hard on that. Uh, down here in the bottom corner, we got my buddy Tim, my co-host. Hey, uh, Tim. What's How's happening? It going? How are you? Always good to meet another Tim. You're you're a you're a Jersey Tim, huh? I am a Jersey Tim. Uh, well, you uh, you closer to New York or Philly? Uh, New York. Yeah, I'm okay. uh, forty minutes outside of New York. Okay, right on. Yeah, so we're Lubbock and San Antonio. Uh, okay. We were, we were a San Antonio based podcast and then he moved to Lubbock and then we had to figure out how to do all this. But I mean, I guess during COVID kind of the whole podcasting medium just kind of all went yeah. on to zoom screens anyway. Right. So. Well, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you haven't listened to our show. Um, Cause if you had, you would have never said yes, uh, <laughs> but we are, uh, you have I haven't listened and that would have no way of me. <laughs> deciding whether i was gonna do it or not i appreciate that well uh i don't i don't ever really know how to describe what we do it's sort of a um disney history behind the scenes comedy getting a little bit drunk on malort kind of kind of show um and yeah so... we, we have a we have a journey that we're on yeah. but it <laughs> but it, it is it is comedy fueled yeah uh you know as we go Definitely that. So uh, there are, there is a, uh, we, we tend to curse, but I never want to offend anybody. So I just wanted to let you know ahead of time. If we drop any words that make you mad, you let us know. And we'll no, I'm, beautiful I'm from Jersey. That's yeah. That's <laughs> that makes sense to me. Well, um, we dropped the, the F bomb every third word. Perfect. I guess if you're cool with it, let's just, uh, like they say on podcasts, get right to it. Uh, okay. I the the question I wrote down was the question that I knew Tim would be the most mad about because I imagine it's one you get asked a lot. But uh, Tim, what gives you goosebumps? Oh, 
All right, that's enough. God damn it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. Lost all legitimacy already. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to do it. That's not really the, that's not really what I wanted to ask you. What I really wanted to ask you is that getting on a getting on a podcast and somebody asking me what gives me goosebumps. That's what does it to me. How how did how did this relationship start? How did how did you get involved with Scholastic and R.L. Stein? Uh, I had worked with Scholastic for a couple of years, um, maybe three or four prior to Goosebumps coming out. Uh, I had done a number of one-off uh, book covers for them. Um, not, you know, nothing extravagant, uh, but I had kind of proven myself to be responsible and my work was consistent and I was on time. Uh, being on time is kind of the it's kind of the main thing in the illustration business. You could be the greatest artist in the world, but if you can't get the stuff done on time, they don't really need you. Um, when Goosebumps came along, I had never heard of RL prior to that. And again, this is 1991 when we first started talking and uh, there's no there's no social media. There's no, there's no Googling. So, uh, you know, I didn't know who he was until after we got started and realized that, you know, he had a real track record. And, um, so when it started, you know, I had just finished up a project. So, um, I was kind of standing in the right place at the right time. Really it came down to that. And I had never done any horror before, uh, adult horror or kid horror. And um, but I had done some kid oriented books. So, uh, again, uh, somebody thought I would be good for the job. And uh, nice. Uh, yeah, like just kind of a just kind of a luck of the draw. I guess. What, what, of, so go ahead. What, Jim. Was he was he a thing before Goosebumps, though? Like, I mean, yeah, he had um, he had been doing Fear Street for a number of years. And that was his you know, like that was his bread and butter. And from stories that he's told, you know, I've been with him while he's told the stories is he really wasn't thrilled about doing Goosebumps either because he was busy doing the Fear Street stuff. And, you know, he was, you know, things were rolling pretty well and nobody, RL, uh, first off, Scholastic, um, RL, nor, you know, and then they came to me and everybody was really downplaying Goosebumps. They thought it was going to be, you know, dead on arrival. Um, no one had ever tried horror for kids 7 to 11. They were afraid it was going to be too scary and that it was going to tank. Um, they went to RL kind of not, you know, not full, you know, not not guns a blazing. And like I said, he was lukewarm to it. And they came to me and said, well, you know, we're not sure this is really going anywhere. And uh, the budget for these covers is is less than what we normally paid you all along. So you're going to kind of, you know, if you if you help us out here and do a couple of covers, we promise you when this thing ends, we'll put you on to something good. That is an exact quote. We'll put you on to something good. Did they so, put you on to something good? Uh huh. So, um, I, I looked at, uh, he, uh, usually RL was writing the book at the same time I was doing the cover, but because it was the first one, there was a full chapter for me to read. And, uh, as soon as I read it, I went, oh, this is kind of cool. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I don't care. You know, I'll take the, I'll take the pay cut 
and do this, you know, some work is better than no work. And uh, again, nobody was talking about many, many books. They were talking about a handful of books. If I remember it was four or six. And on top of that, they weren't even sure if I was going to be the guy. They actually gave me book number one, uh, Welcome to Dead House. And they gave another illustrator book number two, Stay Out of the Basement. This was a guy named Jim Thiessen. He was kind of, he had done horror before. And um, they weren't sure. They said, okay, look, you do book one. He'll do book two. We'll take a, we're going to send them both to print. And then we'll decide after that who does the the, the last couple of books. So, um, and you said the colors won out, right? What's that? The colors won out, right? That's that's again, and it was the colors because of the overall the you know fear factor was it's going to be too scary, and the my saturated colors kind of took the edge off. And if you see Welcome to Dead House and Stay Out of the Basement side by side, you can see mine has a little, you know, a, li a little lighter feel. Jim's stuff was, he could be very ultra realistic and he used a lot more realistic colors. My stuff has a tendency to be a little bit more cartoony and uh, again, the saturated colors. Wild. I, I, you know, so I, I was the target demographic when these things hit, I was seven to 11. I was there from top to Tim and I, Tim and I talked about this on a previous episode where he wasn't allowed to read goosebumps. And my parents were more of a, if he's reading, he's reading whatever, whatever it's going to take. And so I can, I can remember like the sound of them rolling in the scholastic book fair, <laughs> like the, the giant, the giant, like drums of, of books. And then having goosebumps was always at my eye level. And it was always the cover that, that drew me in. And then like, like I said, I've been telling so many people, Hey, you're never going to believe who I get to talk to. You're never going to believe who I get to talk to. And then they always say, well, which book is your favorite book? And then I start thinking, man, I was seven years old and I've done a lot of drinking since then. And I barely remember the stories, <laughs> but I can, I can remember what all of my favorite covers were the abominable snowman of uh, Pasadena with like the, the neon, the, the pink and the blue and all those are, those are the things I remember. And I know full damn well that the only reason I was picking those books up to begin with was the cover art. Do you, do you feel that you've been given enough credit for the success of the series and the marketing and everything that was just like lightning in a bottle at that time? Well, so I'm going to downplay it a little bit and go, you're exactly right. Almost every kid your age, so when you were seven to 11, your first exposure to Goosebumps was probably in your school library. Yeah. Now, if you didn't see them in your school library and you saw them at Barnes and Noble, along with all the other, you know, adult books and color stuff, mine wouldn't have stood stood out as much. You know, Scholastic had a lot of academic books and, you know, they had the, they, that's how they got their business started was doing academic books. That's why they had the inline or inroads to your school. And then they established that, you know, uh, scholastic book fair as a secondary thought because they already had the distribution. So when the Goosebumps books came in, I was being matched up with, you know, a couple of math books and a geography book and some other stuff. So my, you know, my cover stood out. Uh, 
Yeah. And, you know, you would not naturally be drawn to them again. Saturated colors. And there's monsters. There's not a lot of monsters in a school library. So and it's foot uh, in the door. Like you, yeah, you are planted exactly. inside the school. So exactly. I, mean, I never so, thought about that. You know, I, you know, I was in a, you know, I was in a, a nice small pond with not a lot of cool stuff going on. And um, yeah, it got, and, and again, that's my job. My job is to get your attention and get you to pick it up. If I can get you to pick it up, that's my job is done. It's RL's job from there to you know hook you with the story and then between the two of us we want you to come back nice i mean i think that like i probably picked up some of these books just as like i i mean it, it was the the era of nickelodeon and stuff too like big yeah. neon colors and stuff and like i i probably picked up a handful of these got through like one chapter but it was just like that that dopamine feeling of like picking up that that shiny i mean you know the the, the oozing uh, it's so synonymous with with nickelodeon and honestly now that i think about it but um yeah and there was a lot of you know what was cool about nickelodeon the cartoon network was there was a lot of you know cool horror stuff for kids uh, and, you know, uh, so this kind of there was a little, you know, a kid's horror little boost right in there through the 90s and, you know, Courage the Cowardly Dog and, you know, name your pick your poison. But, um, um, yeah, uh, it, definitely it Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah. Another perfect like all wild stuff that you're not going to see today. Yeah. I, I had a question like regarding some of the some of the stuff that that was marketed to kids and i'm not specifically talking about goosebumps because honestly it's pretty benign but like just being in like the horror genre um or let let's say something like ren and stimpy or some of these like more irreverent things like did you feel like you were part of something that was experiencing some kind of backlash like specifically like my mom wouldn't let me engage in in horror um and i think that like that was probably a symptom of like the satanic panic of like the late 80s yeah, that, uh, i mean that, like that, and that then was, then you had was real. You know, like harry yeah. potter like harry potter had this like evangelical condemnation um did did you and 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 stein and and scholastic in general feel um you know not necessarily like a westboro baptist church kind of picket or anything but like a backlash, I guess I'm asking. Yeah, are there any oh, angry old ladies outside the house? Yeah, not not at my house. And again, <laughs> I, I I I gotta hit this as hard as I can because we live in a world now where nobody even remembers. You know, no social media, no way to like. The only way I found out about anything was through word of mouth and the you know when I talked to the art directors and mostly what they talked about was. Hey, you know, it's going pretty good. You know, I didn't know Goosebumps success until way down the road. Um, again, so right at the beginning, uh, early on, there was a there there was about two weeks of backlash where some, you know, again, this is when they were just starting to put uh, warning labels on on albums. And somebody from whatever religious group, church group, I don't remember who it was, but yeah, we got that, we got that kick where, oh, don't let your kids read Goosebumps because they're satanic. And so we got a little bad press there at the beginning and you just go, I don't know where this is going to go. 
And we were lucky. Somebody, and again, I don't know who they were. You know, it was the head of the PTA or some school organization, but somebody stepped up and read a Goosebumps book, somebody with some clout. And they came back right away and said, no, no, no. These these books are fine. There's nothing, you know, satanic. There's no over, you know, arching weird theme. And it went away. So we had about, yeah, we had about two weeks of nonsense. You know, some people who wanted to pick up on that ran with that ball. But for the most part, no, nah, it wasn't. It didn't. It didn't last. It didn't hit the register too. But, you know, I mean, it didn't register with us very hard. So it, well, Goosebumps is back, which is which is how we got here. It's back on Disney Plus. There's a brand new series. Have you have you seen it? I haven't yet. So I, I, as as like with all stuff, I'll probably be the last one to see it. I don't have Disney Plus. Uh, I, I I I know that's no excuse. Uh, I've talked. I have a couple of friends who have seen it. Uh, Tim, do you want to borrow my login? There you go. Yeah, shoot it over to me, and I'll I'll, I'll get on it. Uh, everybody I know who have seen it uh, really likes it. Um, they like it because it's it's its own thing. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't try to lean into what was done in the books. They didn't try to lean into what was done in the movies. Didn't lean into what was on TV back in the nineties. It's kind of its own thing, which is we were great. very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, but it's not I, over I, yet. I mean, it's the whole thing's not released yet, so we kind of had to pause, like in media rest, kind of thing. Yeah, did you? So did you watch them one off, or did you binge it? Uh, I'm a fifty. Just the nature of our research yeah. and kind of having <laughs> this as a side gig. Uh, you know, we have to. We're in the service industry, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Our, our our research. You know, maybe once the Patreon gets a roll in, we'll have more time to really marinate. But pretty much all of our stuff is like binged. Like yeah. there are some episodes where where Chris over here, I don't know until 20 minutes into the episode that he hasn't finished the actual viewing of the source gotcha. content. Yeah. <laughs> more than a couple. But yeah. um, th- this one we were able to just say, OK, well, we're going to we're going to talk about kind of in broad strokes. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I like the idea of that it it's not a hundred percent a kid's thing there's some other stuff going on there uh just watching the trailer it's got a nice dark feel to it yeah um i also like that they're leaning into the old storylines you know say cheese and die and a couple of the other ones and putting a new spin on them i think that's i, I think that's great and I, I think it is ideal for guys like you who grew up with the books still have fond memories of it you're not you're not you're not 9 years old anymore so they need to they need to give you something with a little bit more kick to it and it works i, I mean i think the best thing they did with it is uh, and i don't think this counts as any kind of spoiler whatsoever is that it's all it's almost like a twin peaksy kind of thing like it's all in yeah. one town and and the the focal point of every episode is one of the different characters that are all kind of interacting with each other until they all kind of merge so um it's it's, it's a single through line right yeah uh, and again completely different that's what yeah. i like about it where from for the books which was a, a incredible blessing um so if as an illustrator and you're doing book covers you get on a series it can be 
it can be a grind. You know, if you're doing Harry Potter and every cover is Harry Potter, you know, and his friends and Harry Potter at the castle and Harry Potter, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. After you do a number of books, you want to kind of hang yourself. So with the the Goosebumps series, it, I was as surprised as you guys were. You know, new kid, new new monster, new town, new everything. Every story. I never knew where we were going. There was no rhyme or reason. You couldn't predict what was going to happen next. So I did over 100 covers and I did 100 different images. So again, now they've created something different. Like you say, there's a common through line to it, but they're going to they're going to work the stories in through that. I, you know, again, I, I, I really like that idea of keeping a common theme, but doing it completely different. Now, one of those through lines is uh slappy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, and they like in all of the, in all, all of the marketing material that they put out on Instagram, they, they took slappy and made him, you know, kaiju size, like gargantuan and put him up against all these, like, uh, the the Empire State Building and the Hollywood sign and and things like that. So, uh, as knowing that Slappy himself is is at this point a full blown horror icon, how much of that do you, like? How how cool is that to you? Knowing that you know what I mean. You think you think evil dummy. I'm that guy. <laughs> well, first off, ventriloquist dummies are horrific. And before you do anything to them, you take them out of the box, the way they're made, they're horrific to start with. And uh, I'm old enough to where, uh, you know, I remember the Twilight Zone version that had the ventriloquist dummy. And, uh, you know, uh, when Slappy came along and I said, all right, we're going to let's see what we can do to the dummy. As soon as I started again, no Internet, go to the library, get books on ventriloquist dummies. And as soon as you start thumbing through it, you're go, you know, my first thought was, I don't have to do anything to put an edge on this thing. We're already, we're way down the road already. And uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, gave him, furrowed his brow a little bit, made his eyes a little more bugged out, lit him a little dark, and all of a sudden Slappy is born. How long into it, uh, I mean, I, I read in a previous interview with you where you said that like, it took a little while until someone was like, oh yeah, my kids read Goosebumps. And <laughs> yeah, which... like, at, at what point, was there a certain point where you're like, all right, fuck you guys, you better give me some more money. Cause like, I'm <laughs> like, I mean, I'm sure that they weren't just like, whoa, well, this is doing really well. I guess we better pay him more. Like, uh, actually, not off the bat, right? No, like, I, actually they, uh, so you're right. When it first started, it didn't, it wasn't doing well. Um, uh, from what I understand, you know, in the, you know, books round book six, we're still early on, it was pretty flatlined. And there was some discussion of, okay, how do we get out of this? Maybe we're going to end it. What number, you know, like, what book do you want to go to before we pull the plug on this thing? And then just in a few months after that, book nine, book 10, uh, sales just took off. Um, my, my theory behind it again, is, you know, you guys were talking to one another, but so your first experience with Goosebumps was in the book, in the school library through the Scholastic Book Fair. Then, you know, 
we got, you know, we got a half a dozen books in there. We got nine books in there, but you're having a hard time getting your books because everybody is taking them out of the library. Now you're coming home and asking your parents, hey, I want my own goosebumps. I, you know, this go to the library thing. I, I don't want that anymore. Let's go to the store. And that's where the books really started to sell. And our numbers went from being okay to crazy. And it wasn't it wasn't a slow arch over, you know, a half a dozen books. It was, you know, zero to 60 real quick. Um, to the credit of everybody at Scholastic, when it took off, somebody somewhere said, don't anybody mess with this. Whatever we were doing right from the start, let's just continue to do that. Don't change anything. Don't change how we're doing it. I know RL does his thing his own way, but nobody all of a sudden started showing up and telling me what to do either. I kind of, because at the beginning, nobody was expecting success. They kind of let me do what I wanted to do. And then as things took off, they kind of let me do what I wanted to do. So uh, never before goosebumps and never after goosebumps did I have as much free reign to do what I wanted as I did in goosebumps. Wow. Did you personally call him RL? No, you call him Bob. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's weird, you know, I, if I just start referring to him as Bob, everybody goes, I, who? You know, who? Bob. Yeah. Bob who? Bob, but Bob, uh, no, I just can't say, like, oh, call me RL. Yeah. No, no, no. Actually, uh, it was probably, uh, so uh, we had been doing books for uh, a year and a half, maybe two years before I actually met him in person and shook his hand. And I'm sure in those early conversations, he just said, my name's Bob. And, you know, it was that simple. Cool. And so we we do have to tie this into Disney just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or or else I can't use this as a tax write-off and <laughs> the tuition ain't cheap. Uh, so <laughs> uh, do you... Do you have any any connection to Disney? Any childhood memories? Is there a favorite? Is there a favorite Disney cartoon that that inspired you as an artist, or any Disney animators that? Well, you know, I think the one that got my attention, and it wasn't, I didn't see it as a kid, uh, but it, so uh, when I was in middle school, had a good art teacher, and he. Uh, did an after-school project where we tried to do some animation and it was kind of um, stop motion animation. We had uh, a spaceman, but he was, it was a bullet, uh, a cork board and all these body parts were pinned and we would, you know, just move the pins to move the guy's arms. And, you know, we did this very simple animation and, uh, you know, I got a real appreciation real fast at the age of however old you are, 12, 13, of how hard animation is. Then, you know, still fooled with it a little bit, but then saw Fantasia and yeah. uh, just was totally blown away by, you know, what it must have taken to do that, how they put it together. Uh, the, you know, it's all kind of trippy just the you know all of it uh so that that really made an impression on me of again th th that level of respect where listen i make one picture on a book cover that's yeah. cool but if you got to make you know 32 or 16 frames a second 
to make something move and you're drawing drawing after drawing after drawing uh you know my uh that tip to the hat to that why yeah yeah no, Fantasia was definitely one for me, and I, I we, think we loved the Fantasia. We, yeah, I, and again, it. you know, it's the it's the you know the use of you know orchestral music, and it was you know one thing just bled to another. You didn't know where it was going, and uh, if I remember right, I saw it on a you know, again, this is before everybody owned a giant fucking TV in their house. But I, I think we went somewhere and saw it on a big screen, and I yeah. just was like, "Yeah, this is this is wild." It's 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 interesting to think about how with Fantasia, the animators were sort of allowed to be themselves and and create the art that they wanted to create, which I think had a lot to do with the success. And and hearing that for the longest time they just let you make the pictures that you wanted to make, I wonder if that has anything to do with how much they resonate with people and how how easy it is to to just participate in it with the artist i don't know anyway yeah, no, I, I you know i i don't know the full story behind fantasia if it was you know was it an exercise where they just said hey guys do something cool and let's get people's attention you know i don't know what got it going at the beginning but they obviously had you know it wasn't it wasn't a tight script if there was a script and they were just coming up with, you know, well, what else would look cool? And yeah. I'm sure there were discussions like that. And the way the thing moves in a, you know, very dreamlike or trippy, like it moves from one thing to the other very seamlessly. That's cool. Now, for what I do, so as an illustrator, it's not, it's not, oh, what do I feel like doing today? I'm an illustrator. You know, my job is to put other people's ideas down. And thank God I got hooked up with RL because the guy's a never ending well of ideas. And, you know, I was excited as you guys were, where once a month it would come in and he would just give me the title and a couple sentences about what the book was about. And I was off and running. So, um, again, never knew what it was going to be. It was always, you know, it was always, oh, that's cool. And, you know, sometimes it was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do here when he would give me the, you know, the oddities, like um, it came from beneath the sink. Yeah. It's like, uh, all right. A killer sponge. Oh, I, you know, Is that I what that one was about a killer sponges, sponge. That's not really scary. Yeah. And then you try to figure it out. And then, you know, we, we finally got it to work and I was like, all right, that one goes. Egg monsters from Mars. Egg monsters you know? from Mars. Okay, there's yeah. is that a, you know, is that a giant? You know, is it a giant egg? No, nah, it's a regular size egg. It's just a little bit disgusting. It's like, all right, I don't know where I'm going. But then you get in it, and then you start to develop the idea, and then you go, all right, there he is. Yeah, he's there. And then Egg Monsters from Mars turned out to be one of those classic covers, like just the, yeah, the color, I, I, the shape. The kitchen is spooky now. Yeah, at, 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 so. I was looking for something else. So, you know, you're like, okay, I got this egg monster. I know how to make it look disgusting. So you wouldn't want to eat it, but what else can we do? And it's that, um, you know, and I used the trick a million times was that warped perspective in the kitchen where there's not a straight line anywhere and everything's kind of twisted. And again, gives that little bit of a dream, like, uh, you know, fisheye lens dream, type thing where it, this is not a reality but this is where the egg monster lives and we took what would could have been a very 
static or stale kitchen and turned it into something pretty cool. Well, check out this segue. Speaking of eggs and kitchens, I noticed on your website uh, that you've been giving back and um, helping to feed people. Can you tell us a little bit about the the charity that you've been giving back to? Yeah, uh, it started during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we all had the same thing at the beginning. Everything shuts down and you wonder, all right, what are we going to do here? And, you know, how are we going to pay the bills? And, you know, because of what I do, it was easy to get, you know, I had already been working at home and my business wasn't severely impacted, you know, lost some clients, got some new ones, stayed busy the whole time. But I'm watching the news and I'm seeing, you know, lots of people who are now in line, who are hungry, who are going to to food banks and the overwhelming amount of people that they would, you know, the reporters would stick a microphone into their face we're going, yeah, listen, I've never had to do this before. You know, I have a regular job, but, I, you know, I've run out of options here. And I had been toying with the idea of doing the Goosebumps prints for a long time, never followed through. And I was like, I bet you, you know, I bet you we could do something here. So uh, started out with six prints. Uh, I charge uh, $27 for the 18 inch print, which is a, a, a good size print. And then $21 for the nine inch print. And we take $10 from every sale and we go to Walmart and we buy food and then we drive it down the street to our local food bank. So it started out as, you know, a couple bags, you know, you, you go, you know, go down the street and here's a couple bags of food. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thanks to all the the generosity of all the Goosebumps fan, we're filling up the back of my pickup truck every month now. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's crazy. You know, uh, it's an incredible thing. And they've, you know, they've come to depend on us down the street there. You know, we we have helped the food bank grow because we're consistently bringing in a bunch of food every month. Uh, That's this weekend. You know, I got I ordered the food uh, two days ago. It'll come on Friday. We'll load it in the truck on Saturday. Uh, hopefully the truck's in the shop. Hopefully the truck will be out in time. Uh, but uh, yeah, so again, it started out as something where I thought it was just going to be a nice gesture and it would be small and it's turned into something uh, that's, uh, you know, that people appreciate. And uh, again, it's turned into something, you know, somewhat significant for both me and my son as a, you know, as a thing to do and for the people who run the food bank. Very cool. Uh, Tim, Very I've got cool. one more question for you. Um, you how old's your son? But that, that's not my question, but how <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's 24. <laughs> yeah. He's 24. Yeah. He's 24. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did catch um, at the end of, of one of the interviews that we, we read to kind of prep for talking to you um, that you kind of said that you would like caution your son against getting, um, getting into uh, a creative job. Um, And that was an interview three years ago. Okay. And that's from your perspective from the nineties when there was a lot less standing in your way. I feel like over the past three years, and I swear to God, I don't want to turn this into another, yet another AI podcast, but (laughs) good God, the the amount of idiots that I have seen be able to pull up a striking image within mere seconds with a few prompts like how 
I mean, is the, is this like a, a, a death knell for for artists? Or no, you know, they've been you know they've been calling for the death knell for a while. The first death knell came in the early two thousands when art went from you know like you couldn't be in the art business if you didn't know how to draw and paint. And then digital art came along, and people who had no real art background were all of a sudden creating some you know some manipulating stuff and turning it into art and they got a lot of book covers you know and they took a bunch of guys jobs who you know who were drawing and painting they you know they created something else it's a it's an evolution you know um i think that you know i don't know where it's going either i mean you know the whole ai thing is mind-blowing I think it's going to be one of those classic things where there's going to be a whole lot of really good stuff that comes out of it. And then there'll, there's going to be some crazy side shit. Same way when they invented cars, you know, unbelievable, great transportation, and it kills more people every year than probably anything else we do. So uh, I think, you know, I think there's going to be great things that happen with AI. I think there's going to be a shakeout in the business of, you know, uh, will people use it? Yeah, uh, people will use it. But there's also going to be, I think it's going to create a desire for stuff that is still done by humans. There is, uh, there, there's people who are, you know, prompting the AI to do Goosebumps covers. And some of them are pretty good and some of them are pretty bad. But I look at all of them and I go, yeah, it's not, that's, I wouldn't do that. Even with the, you know, whatever mock cover they came up with, I was like, nah, I, that's not an answer I would have had. So uh, I know I'm still going to be making different stuff. And I think people are going to be gra uh, gravitating towards the the handmade stuff and what is truly unique and one off uh, instead of something that's just AI generated. Amazing. Tim, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you so thank much. You. Um, I I bought myself a little bit of time. I was actually scheduled to be at work 10 minutes ago because we got day jobs. Um, so I'm going to let Chris uh, uh, sign you off. Uh, it has been such a pleasure and such an honor. Um, awesome. And I'm going to hop off the call. Thank you so much, Tim. All right, cool. You take care. Well, uh, that's that's really it for me too. Is there anything we can we can plug? Anything we can tell my my dad about? He's he's our biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, uh, you know, buy some prints through uh, the website uh, JacobusStudios.com. Uh, I just uh, finished my last con of the year. Uh, I've already have 2024 booked and that will be at the same website. So you'll be able to see if I'm anywhere near you in the, in 2024. And, uh, um, no, I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. It, this was fun. No, I'm, I, I won't lie to you. I, uh, so, uh, now, now that we're, we're pretty much done. I, uh, I, as a 40 year old man going back to college, I'm in a ton of freshman, freshman level courses. And so sometimes I'm sitting there and watching kids on their phone and, the one thing I'm really learning in those freshman level courses is they keep saying, Hey, you, you never get a yes. If you don't ask, I'm a Rangers yeah, yeah. fan. And, uh, I had a little bit of liquid courage. I was real excited after game six. 
And uh, I was just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hop online and get me a print. And then I saw the contact me button and I was like, oh my God, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> so it was. Yeah, I, listen, so you know, exciting. if the, if the, you know, uh, if the timing is right, I was supposed to be uh, on a plane going to Mesa, Arizona this weekend. Something happened in the con and, you know, it fell apart at the last minute. So I normally this week would not have, you know, I wouldn't have had the time for you and I probably would have, you know, said, sorry, I can't, we can't do it. But, uh, you know, timing is everything. So yeah, keep reaching out. You never know. Um, you know, most of it, it's, it's not hard, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here, you know, I finished my work day at four. I'm sitting here anyway. So, uh, no, I appreciate you reaching out. Appreciate the hell out of it. it. It means a ton and it's, it's a dream come true for me. It really is. So thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. Thanks, man. Yeah. See you soon. All right. And I'll send care. I'll send you uh, I'll send you Tim's Disney Plus login so you can watch the show. Y'all can, I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Perfect. <laughs> Have a good one. Awesome. Take care. Bye. Bye. Yo, how cool is that? Tim Jacobus, thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us. Thank you so much for for taking time out of your day to just share a little bit about what really inspired us to to be sitting here today and inspired me to be the spooky dookie kid I am banging a bunch of goth chicks and drinking a bunch of malort really just one not even she's not even really that goth anyway uh thank you so much if you have made it this far it means that you enjoyed the interview or you care about us or goosebumps or any of those things so it'd be super cool if you could go to jacobusstudios.com get yourself a print of your favorite of your favorite cover they're awesome he's gonna sign it for you and after that like he said 10 bucks of that is gonna go straight to the food bank everybody knows how important to me the san antonio food bank was um just that that idea of making sure that no kid goes hungry no person goes hungry it shouldn't be something that anybody ever has to worry about food is a human right and we really wanted to thank tim for given back to us so you make sure that you go give back to him jacobusstudios.com buy a print give back thank you so much for listening and uh, since tim's not here i get to say it always let your conscience be your guide you know what i didn't even think about it i'm back uh for a lot of you this might be your first time ever listening to disney plus and in cussing because well you know what we finally got somebody legitimate to talk to us so if this was your first time listening to Disney Plus and Cussin' and you love super nerdy content about Disney or history or a couple of dudes getting drunk, uh, please make sure to like and subscribe. I've never been the click like and subscribe guy, but I've always wanted to be. So if this was your first episode, don't let it be your last. We can't wait to find out what comes next. Thank you so much. Happy Halloween. <laughs>